Yes, hello folks, welcome to Beyond the Pitch. I'm your host as always, Fab Brown. The match is needed to join with my regular co host, the fantastic Cam McGuigan, on this Halloween. Happy Halloween to you all. Uh, how you doing, mate? All good, mate, all good. Good one yesterday, so happy enough. I'm still buzzing after yesterday. Um, I will, we'll, we'll get into yesterday, of course, not talking points. Uh, it wasn't a particularly wonderful performance. Uh, the result was great. Uh, Heightened by the fact that Leeds beat Liverpool, I must confess, I did a goon whenever Leeds scored. <laughs> um, uh, maybe one of the th- I think part of why I'm enjoying Liverpool's demise so much is during United's demise, one of the worst aspects of it was going on social media getting tortured by Liverpool fans, and they did not miss. You know, they come after you. I made to the Liverpool fans torturing me on WhatsApp. You know, all the laughing emojis every time you know, we can see the goal, you know, and all the abuse and the sheer ubiquity of the coverage from the media in United's demise. I'll never forget the false position, you know, when Solskjaer was in second. I wonder where Liverpool are in a false position because they're in bottom, they should be in a bottom three. They were in serious, serious trouble. And I'm sure of this, mate, that their success was sweetened by United's demise. United's success was partially sweetened right now by Liverpool's demise. Um, as childish as that is, but I can't deny that's a factor. <laughs> it, it's true. And like I, I refer back to something I said on Twitter the other week. Like, see, lad, the last season, I'd say the last season and a half, it's been absolutely painful watching United. I haven't looked forward to a game. This season, I can't wait for every game. I'm actually dreading the World Cup because it's putting an end United for so long. And like and norm- normally, I know a World Cup's normally in the summer, but normally like international breaks and stuff, you, you do feel that way when you're playing well. But like last season, I couldn't wait for the next international break. I was going to myself, I know. Hey, when's the next international break? Because I can't take this any longer. It's completely changed and it's crazy what can happen whenever some of the players show a bit of heart. There's players there that you know will die for the badge. The likes of Martinez, who's come in and just been an absolute like how we've got him, it's just beyond me. He he is the closest thing I've seen your tweet there, wow. the, the Roy King that we've yeah. had. And the guy just epitomizes everything that it means to be a red. Hundred percent. When he's walking <clears> off a pitch near the front, singing Argentina, a big smile across his face, pumping the badge. I don't care if it's performing. If I believe it with Martinez, I believe. You know, I've seen players do that where I've never believed them. Where I've been like, this is a bit performative. But with Martinez, I, I don't think that's the case at all. I, I totally believe him when he, you know, he's come in from the first whistle and personified everything that the fans want to see in their football team. Win, lose, or draw, the one thing you can't forgive is if your team doesn't go out and fight. And Martinez influences those around him. <coughs> and uh, we'll talk about Harry Maguire in this as well because I've been thinking a lot about him over the last 24 hours. Uh, De Gea, sensational, Dallo. You know, one of the things that we're looking at this United team, we're talking about the new signings, but there's almost been like 10, 11 new signings because we're getting the best out of players that I didn't think was in them. I mean, I Diojo Dallo, that performance on yesterday, if Trent Alexander-Arnold had put in that performance yesterday, the English media would have waxed their ego about how he's the best right back in the world because Dallow can defend which Trent Alexander can't uh, or Arnold can't he can go forward The it's amazing calm. You know, one of, the, one of the biggest problems United have had over the last 5 or 10 years we mentioned this on Thursday's part <coughs> is that they're an amalgamation of players from different managers bought for different different systems and it was hard to get the best of them because there were just 11 individuals when you play players in a system that suits their characteristics physically mentally then you get the best out of them and you had a bit of a period under Mourinho where Dallow looked really good but other than that uh did not has not looked great um the 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 and it, even the other players that were getting the best out of you know the system that suits them and uh it's hard for me to describe my satisfaction with what Ten Hag has done. I can't pick a single thing he's done wrong. I mean, even his reaction to defeats has been perfect. His reaction to wins is never overexcited. He doesn't over-eulogise. He still points out there's a lot of things to work on. He he keeps United grounded. Um, as Jaden Sancho found out the weekend, 
you can play your way out of this team very quickly. A couple of bad games, you're on a bench, kid. And I'll tell you something, Cam. That's as much about helping the player as it is about anything else and about holding the team to standards. Because if you're left in too long and that form continues, you get a Harry Maguire situation where it becomes incredibly mental. Because the crowd keeps on your back. You're constantly, constantly criticised and it's hard to get out of that cycle of negativity. You take them out after a few games, just like they did with Malassia, take them out a few games, you get back in, build your confidence back up and you get back in and you're raring to go after a few games being out. His man management is substitutes everything exceptional. I think, uh, first of all, I've been very critical of Diogo Dallo on this podcast and I know you've had him on the podcast, things like that, but he has... He's, he's just turned a corner. At the very start of the season, I was dread and thinking Diogo Dallo was our starting right back. It got to the point where we had to put up on him because we didn't get anyone else. And he kind of edged his way into the team, wasn't playing great. Now, like, I mean, that performance yesterday, like you said, if Trent performed like that yesterday, the English media would be ranting, raving. It would be everywhere. It's not. Diogo Dallo's just been getting on with it. It's unbelievable to see how far he's came. And you know what? He could be the starting right back. I think, you know, I listened to Tin Hag's interview where he said uh, mm. about Juan Bissaka. Well, he didn't say about Juan Bissaka, But he said, uh, you know, we always need one more. So Juan Bissaka is gone. That, that mm. tells you enough about Juan Bissaka that you need to know that's yes. it done. But with Diogo Dallo as your starting right back, I, get, I, can get, I can get used to it. I like it. I think he's, his performances over the last couple of weeks have been unbelievable. And I think that's the thing with Tin Hag. When you play well, you stay in the team. And I think that that's given players like Dallo the opportunity and the drive that he knows if he plays well and he, his performances keep on, then he's going to do well. And, and again, with the hair, the hair is heavily criticised by this fan base. Week in, week out, he was getting abused. The hair has been mm-hmm. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Some of them saves he's made over the past few weeks have been exceptional. The guy is um, Casemiro. Let's talk about Casemiro for a second because that's another one. I think you were actually critical of him, not me, but there was a point whenever he came in and, and people were were uh, on his back and you know, like he was just a reactionary signing and. All this, Casemiro is just as influential to this team as Christian Eriksen. And those two in the mm. midfield, we're, we're on a serious winner with that midfield at the moment. I think like our, where our back lines came to in our midfield over the past two to three years is unbelievable because that's where we lacked. We, we lacked, like defensively, we were shocking. I mean, even Maguire last night when he came on, Maguire looked great when he came on. I know for the first half he's a bit shaky, but that second half, like coming back into the side, like he was unbelievable. And again, mm-hmm. that's from Martinez being alongside him, in my opinion. So, what we're talking about here is a team, right? And uh, these are things that don't make stat sheets the intangibles, the things that you have to build uh, a football team or any any group success has to be built on these foundations. These are the things that team spirit, the fight, um, the things that. That are in a human being, um, and one of the things I said this, we said this last week. If you behave like a smacked arse in this team, you stand out for all the wrong reasons, and that's exactly what you need. Last season, you'd have blended in. So now you've got players. You want to act the arsehole, you know. You, I mean, Ronaldo situation. We, we, we'll talk about him in a minute. Um, stands out for all the wrong reasons now, right? Um, so I think. Uh, when you look at what Ten Hag is doing, the control parameters are exceptional. The what he's what he's demanding of his players, he's already got their respect, he's already got their trust, and they're going out there every week. They're fighting for him. The only thing I criticised about Casemiro wasn't Casemiro himself, I was saying, and it was the fact that um, United's change of, of stance on Casemiro were it was a complete departure from anything they'd done before. Um, he is, I don't think he had his best game against West Ham, but one of the things that I look at was Martinez and Varane. And we, we're going to go right down the spin our team here. That's the best centre-back pair in United have had since Fittich and Ferdinand. There's no doubt. Right? Martin, I wouldn't swap Lissandro Martinez for any defender, no, for any centre-back in the world. I mean, maybe that's my rose-tinted glasses, but it's not just his ability to defend. It's everything else. It's high in spars around him. That's what Roy Keane did. He demanded high standards of people. And when you're a leader, that's what a leader looks like, by the way. That's what one looks like. That's how you lead. You lead by example. You don't ask anyone to do something you're not willing to do yourself. You inspire those around you. He makes the hair better. 
as you said he makes Maguire better because there's a trust in there. Now, one of the things we saw yesterday was one of the first major tests of Lissandra Martinez's uh, characteristics, his height, against a six foot five striker. He puts Kamak in his pocket and fucks Kamak and his hand off. So now what? Because you just know that there were so many people waiting and hoping that Skamaka would dominate him to say, see, I told you so. But that didn't happen. And there's so many people that won't admit they were wrong. I mean, this guy almost went to Arsenal. Unbelievable. Then you get into the midfield. Think about Maric, Pogba, Van der Beek in there. Think about some of the draws United have had in the middle of the park, which is primarily where games are won down the span. Now you've got Casemiro, Eriksen, Fernandez, three exceptional players that can win you a game in different ways. Casemiro's goal against Chelsea last week, right? Um, Eriksen's ball for Rashford. United weren't capable of doing any of that last season. You know, everything was going through Bruno Fernandez. Uh, and if you took Bruno Fernandez out of the game, there was no creativity in Fred or McCominay. So you look how Ten Hag has strengthened that team. He needs a striker, there's no doubt. Uh, Rashford, however, already has two more goals this season than what he scored in the whole of last season. I think he's better on that left-hand side cutting in than he is as a central striker. I think that suits his game better. I think he's not a natural finisher, but will get you plenty of goals. Two-headed goals in the week. He attacked that ball with confidence, and he, I thought he said something was quite interesting after the game where he said he was in a different headspace. I would say that there's a lot of people saying that. You know, and when you think about it, like the strength and depth that we have now in terms of the midfield. So you, you've named the three midfielders are Fernandez, Eriks and Casemiro. You've got Fred and McTominay, who both at points this season have looked great in this team. And that that's a, a complete opposite to what we watched Fred and McTominay last year when those two together clearly don't work. But when you're surrounded with better players and confident players and there's a there's a team morale that's completely different than before, then it's a completely different game altogether. And I think that they we have the strength and depth with them on the bench as well going forward now. You've got Martial to come back again. He's hit or miss injury-wise. But when we're talking about that, like Sancho, Riceford, Martial, Garnacho, if he doesn't go out on loan in January, which probably won't, but I think he should. And Ronaldo in that mix. And I mean, like add one more striker to that and a right back. I think every position you're covered with two players for every position that are United standard players. It's something that we didn't have before. Well, this is the thing. Now, <laughs> you know, one of the things you're confident of, another problem United have had is every season, every summer, there's always been five or six positions to address. So you've had to prioritize, right? And you've never been able to build anything consistent because as soon as you address them, the following season, you've got another five or six because players aren't consistent and you've got the same problems. So now you're building on solid foundations. Now you can turn around. Never, as we said this even last summer, uh, this summer, when you need to get to a position where they only need to add maybe two or three, right? Because nine of the positions are already set. You already know. Uh, what you know, the, 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 then that's whenever I feel needed a ready to mount a title challenge. And I genuinely believe is if they had an Erling Holland in their team or someone of that ilk that would score goals um, consistently, take half chances. I mean, United's shot conversion rate prior to the weekend is really, really poor. I think we talked about this in the podcast on Thursday. Um, I think it was something like six out of 92, 93 shots. There's no question you need a goal score. Imagine. United would have took three points against Newcastle with a top striker. They'd have taken three points against Chelsea with the top striker. I think I would put them within two points of City. Yeah. So I th- you know, um, at the very least, and so I think uh, that's something. You know, obviously, we, <clears throat> you mentioned there about the right back situation. They're looking at Frimpong at, at, at in Germany by Leverkusen, I believe he is. Um, I think if you're uh, Wamba Saka, we wanted well, this is this should have happened a year or two ago. Right, the the Wambasaka just doesn't give you enough <coughs> in modern day football, um, and he hasn't developed. Uh, I know Palace wanted him over the summer. I can see United letting him go to Palace over uh, in January. Uh, if they get decent offer for Wambasaka, they got a twenty five million pound offer. They'd sell Wambasaka, and I still think in a, in, a, in, a, in another in a team like Palace, he'd probably do all right. You know, uh, where you're not expecting to dominate games. 
where you're going to be under a cost credit, but where you're defensive, you know, he, he will give you something. You know, there's no question. But in a team like United, where you need your fullbacks to get forward, you need them to do be able to do both. I just think he's a, he's a big weak link. And now it's getting easier and easier to identify the weak links because so many other positions are getting fixed. Um, with regards to Maguire at the weekend, you know, I want to hold my hands a wee bit and say I have some PTSD with Maguire that goes back to last season. My heart sank a bit when I saw him on the team because I can't shake the association to the catastrophe that we watched last season. And maybe that's unfair to him. But I felt like he was one of the worst culprits. I don't like the criticism uh, that he takes because I think it goes too far. And there's no question there's a significant portion of people waiting for him to make a mistake. There's no question there's a significant portion of people that are looking at Maguire and any time he makes a mistake, it's being accentuated. Whereas when anyone else does, it's not. Um, you have to also remember, even if he didn't have last season, the guy just came back from being out for quite a while. So he's not 100% fit. I thought he did well. Uh, his confidence is still on the floor. You can still feel a nervousness in his defending because he's petrified of making a mistake. That's very, very difficult to perform when you're in that headspace. Very difficult. You've still got the weight of the captaincy on your shoulder. You know that all eyes are on you. And Maguire needs support. Because I don't think criticism, I don't think reminding him anymore of his failures and how bad he's been and all that is going to pr produce anything positive. And I honestly believe he's just he's just not good enough for Manchester United. I think he's good enough against a team like West Ham that lob balls in the box where... You know, he gets on the end of him, he's, he's good in the air, what have you. But he worries me when he, when he, when he, when you need to press high and there's space in behind him because he's, he's slow on the turn. He gets beaten by tricky players and he looks like, maybe it's just nerves, I don't know, but I, I, I can't get that Paul Merson analysis out of my head where he made the comparison to Roger, I forget, what's his name, Roger, um, he played for Birmingham, I forget a second. Uh, and great when you're lobbing balls in a box, you can head them away. But when you're playing a high line, Maguire, you know, is not suited to that type of football. And I honestly believe, I want, I don't want the guy to fail. Even if I criticise Ronaldo or Maguire or anyone, what I want them to do is to go out and pitch and prove me wrong. Because nothing makes me happy than watching United win. These players be successful. I don't want to be proved right. But look at Maguire and I think... We've seen the best of him, we've seen the worst of him, and part of the other problem for him must be the complete adulation that his replacement is getting. I mean, how do you how do you feel that this shiny new toy has taken your place, completely won the hearts of Manchester United fans, been absolutely brilliant? Does Maguire even believe in his head that he'll ever be a regular at Manchester United again when everyone's fit? I, I, I don't know. I think uh, it's, it's poignant if you think about what Rashford said about the mental space last season mm -hmm. and where he was last season and you compare yeah. his performance to how he yeah. was last year and now you think of the headspace of Maguire and, and all the comeuppance from that and how he's performing so like you've said you know with a bit of confidence and everything on his side I do think Maguire was still a player yeah, I think I think uh Maguire's definitely a good player he's got he's got a, a chance now because Varane is never fit enough Varane hasn't showed that he can consistently play in this team for a stretch of 68 games. It just doesn't happen. So that has to give Maguire some confidence that him and Martinez can be the partnership going mm. forward. And I think if I'm Maguire, this spurs me on to do better because you've seen this guy come in. You feel comfortable alongside him because he, he gives you he oozes confidence. Yeah. He, give, he gives you that different mentality going into this season. This is Maguire's chance now over these next few games before the World Cup to cement this place back and say, you know what? When Rafael Varane's fit, you can't drop me to Ten Hag because Ten Hag has showed if you're playing well, he's not going to drop you. Doesn't care who you are. Doesn't care if it's Varane mm -hmm. coming back off injury. If Maguire can cement this place in this team, it has to be now, and he knows that. And I hope, I hope to God he does because I think there is a player there. I know you're not, you're not convinced, but I am. I think there's a player there. We go back to what we were saying earlier about players suited to certain systems to get the best of them, like Juan Bissaka or, you know, Dalo in the system or other players in the system. I think Maguire, again, could do a job for a team to play a low block, right? 
that um, I think uh, if you play defensive with Maguire, where you have a low block, where you're knocking balls in the box, you play there with strikes. He's not lightning quick. You know, if you if if you, if, if you're playing a high lining with space and behind Maguire, he. Uh, uh, that's not playing to his strengths, and that's the way you need to play. When Solskjaer took over, it was immediately obvious to me after that first game at Cardiff that Romelu Lukaku had no future at United because of the way United wanted to play. He wanted to play with three intricate forwards that attacked the channels um, that were interchangeable. Lukaku was a target man. Ironically, Lukaku would probably be all right for, for, for Ten Hag because he likes a big target man, hence why he puts Scott McTominay up front at the weekend. But... Um, I think uh, Maguire and this United team, the press is high. Um, you're playing to his weaknesses. And the problem with that is every successful team is built, and I, I hate to use cliches here, but is built off of a solid defence. You have to learn to trust your defence. You have to learn like they did against West Ham. I mean, Con, if you go back to last season, one of the things Ranić was saying was uh, United can see goals with nobody else in the league. Concedes. All right, Matt, how's it going? Um, that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, how many corners did West Ham have? How many corners did United concede last season from corners? Right? A lot of the problems that infested United's, you know, uh, a, a team last season are gone. And Ten Hag's already addressed them. Um, and that, uh, yes, some of that's with the shift in personnel, but some of it's just common sense coaching and picking the best players for the job. Not picking players because they cost 80 million and you're a captain. You know, you're, you're, you're picked solely on merit. You have the depth in the squad to make changes. Now, it's still somewhat of a smaller squad. You know, you saw that in the weekend. And they're not the only team that picks two goalkeepers on the bench. But they didn't have a centre-back, but they had two goalkeepers. You know, you can see that they're still a wee bit short, you know. Um, but uh, I, I feel like this is a United team where you're out of excuses. Where if you don't perform in this United team, you can't blame the manager. You can't blame the atmosphere. You can't, you know, when was the last time you heard a player coming out questioning Ten Hag's methods? You can't do that anymore. Right? That, that, there is no excuses. And so I think uh, for, the, for Maguire, it's not a criminal offence. But I just feel like now we've, you know, I, I made this point last week about Casemiro. Sometimes you don't know what you're missing until you get a top-class player in that position. And seeing Varane and Martinez, I've seen Maguire and Martinez, which was Brantford, away. Seeing Varane and Martinez, even Lindelof and Martinez, is very, very different. I think we're, we're at a, a different stage than where we were at Brantford away, though, so it's important mm -hmm. that, we're, that we acknowledge that too, because we can't... We can't go back on and say, and say that, but at the same time, like you look at the, at this team, and, and once I'll go back to it, once we get two players for every position, I feel confident that we can do anything this year. I mean, obviously, I agree actually with that comment here about saying the centre back. That's what I was going to get onto. Mm -hmm. Is you've got four centre backs at the moment, but Lindelof isn't going to start every week, and Varane certainly isn't going to start every week. So I do think that we need one more centre back because you've got Maguire, who you. One half of the fan base isn't confident in. One half of the fan base is hoping that he can do something. The manager's unsure of him. He, he kind of instills panic around him whenever he plays in the team previous. So mm -hmm. I think it's important that we do sign another centre-back, another right-back, another goalkeeper, because like it's it's quite obvious that Ten Hag... And I, I like I like the way I've seen some people on Twitter you know, criticising Ten Hag for not playing um, Dubravka the other night in the Europa League. Why would he? A goalkeeper can play every game if they need needs to be and I know that, that we're going to be linked with Diogo Costa who will probably come on to at some point to this who looks like a great keeper for Porto but I mean if we're going to sign a goalkeeper a right back a centre back and a striker I think maybe one more a goalkeeper a right back a centre back a striker and possibly one more winger maybe then I think that's us 100% we're mm. sorted in terms of we've got two players for every position we've got strength and depth and we'll look like a proper team now this, the centre-back thing is a bit interesting because if you go out and send a top-class centre-back, then you have to break up your centre-back pairing because they're going to want to start. So, but, but see the centre-back pairing that mm -hmm. you're referring to, Varane and Martinez? Varane has shown us since the minute he signed, even at Madrid, he's not fit enough to be a first-choice centre-half. I'd love him to be, but he's just never fit. He's just one okay. of those players. He's like Anthony Martial. 
Yeah. Um, here's your thing about Varane. He had an extended run on the team, got injured, but so did Lindelof and so did Maguire. Yeah. So they both got injured too. It's a position that's conducive to injuries because you're flanning the tackles, because you're you're constantly in physical challenges. Same with defensive midfield. So even if okay, but if you send a top class centre back, then you have to get rid of Varane. You have to, because they're not going to accept sitting on the bench. No, and so. Maybe it's a good thing to buy a young, promising centre-back that's willing to play his way on their team and accept he's not going to start every week. You know, it's a promising centre-back. Well, think think about the, the best United teams, right? Think about the best teams that we've watched. Think about the strikers that Fergie has, Cole, yeah. or Solskjaer, Shuriam. How do they keep all these players happy? There's an opportunity for Ten Hag to do that with a centre-half turns because there's going to be so many games going forward. There's going to be games where you need a Lindelof and Varane, you need a Martinez and Maguire, you need to chop and change mm-hmm. it. And I think it's important that we're saying one more. And I, I don't agree with you when you say that we'll have to get rid of Varane in that process. Well, here's the thing about the centre-back. You want as much consistency <laughs> there as possible. You talked about York and Cole, but how many other centre-backs were there outside of Bruce and Pallister? Vidic and Ferdinand, Stam, you know, the, the centre-back turns more or less stay at the same. So you, you, you don't want to, ro- I mean, yes, you rotate in games that aren't important, the Europa League, the League Cup, the FA Cup, right? Uh, you rotate those games. No top-class centre-back is coming in saying, I'm happy to play League Cup, Europa We've got this situation with Cristiano Ronaldo, right? They're not going to do it. Um, also, <coughs> Uh, with, with with that, if you look at Liverpool centre back parents or City centre back parents, they stay the same every week. That's what it takes to win the league. Now, whether C- C- City have City have a good few centre backs that are happy enough to be rotated in and out in different competitions. Well, I, I, I don't know if they're that good. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't think I don't think Nathan Aggie's that good. You know, Ruben Diaz is a very good defender. John Stones does well with them. Are they that good? I don't know. Um, uh, Laporte, you know, and he gets in. He's been injured quite a bit. Uh, so you know, the, the thing is, like, uh, four centre backs is different than four strikers. Um, and back then, you know, played with two central strikers in a four-four-two. They don't do that anymore. So I think um, it's a bit different, and I I think it would be very very hard to get. To, no, I I don't know any top club, any club that has four. Top well, I think City do. I, I do think City have top-class centre-backs. You've got Stones, Laporte, Diaz, Akanji, Aki. I think they're all top-class centre-backs in the Premier League. And I think they all seem happy enough mm. to be rotated in now because they know it's a good side. And I think if you think about United going forward and what we need to have in, in terms of strength and depth, you've said it. Lindelof, Maguire and Varane all got injured recently. There's three out of our four starting centre-backs getting injured. Yes, we can make shift players in the centre-back. You can probably play Casemiro. You can probably play Scott McTominay. You can play both of those in centre-back. But is that really what we should be looking at if we're going to be looking at winning leagues? No. We should be going out and sending another centre-half. And someone that's going to work his way into the team. And, and I Yeah, mean, I, I would, if, I'd be good with that. A, a young centre-back that's willing yeah. to come in and, and that has... I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Maybe a right back that can play centre back too, like a Frimpong or something like that, there that gives you options in both. I don't think I don't think Frimpong can play centre back, would he? He's very um, small. I don't know. Let me check football manager. He <laughs> 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 uh, is very small. He played at Celtic. I don't think he can play. Centre-back. No, I remember centre-back, him. He's a good. He's a good right back. Um, but. Uh, but but I think it, it, someone of the could, could maybe give you both. I don't know. I think it's a hard one because um, you want as much consistency in that centre back pattern as possible. As far as playing the Bravga in the Europa League, you need to have to go go to Sociedad and get a result next week to avoid getting the likes of Barcelona right this week. So I don't understand that. You know, again, oh, I think uh, it was important. You needed one. Okay, they're at home to Sheriff. They should win that game, but. And and it maybe it's but what if what if what if Sheriff had done what they did at Real Madrid and won that game, right? Ten Hag would have been slaughtered for playing the Bravka ahead of the hair. You know he's at a place now where he needs to build momentum and confidence and keep winning games. That's really really important. So I think um, I think it's a you know if you look at his teams, we now know what his strongest nine or ten is. How long did it take to know that under Mourinho or under Solskjaer or under anyone else? Took well, took at least a year, mm-hmm. right? Ten Hag already knows what his strongest nine or ten <clears> is. 
that's incredible. So he's had consistency in the lineup for the most part. And what he's saying to these players is, you don't get to play just because you're here or you're part of the squad. You have to show the right attitude in training. This is a reward for your hard work, for your perseverance, for for you earn your way into this team. Okay, there are no, you know, there are no, you know, we're going to rotate just because you have to get your way into this team, and I I, I love it because we've seen the opposite for too long. So I think I, I can't fault anything that he's done, and I have no problems with not playing Dubravka personally. Dubravka came knowing that he was not going to play. That he was I seen. I seen where we're linked. The game with Sergio Romero as a, as a back and goalkeeper. I don't know how true that is, but I seen him at the game and I seen him saying in some interview that he would hopefully be back soon. So I don't know where that's come from or what the story is with that. But again, happening. doesn't doesn't make sense. I don't see it happening. Um, but we have do have some interesting situation with the hair that I loved what Ten Hag said. Where he said, "Look, we'll look at it, you know, and we'll talk about contracts later on." So they're going to look at it over the World Cup. The hair is going to take a big pay cut to stay. Um, you know, Ten Hag was extremely, uh, uh, extremely uh, kind in, in his praise, effusive in his praise about the hair after the game as he should be. We talked about him on Thursday, and some people like to accentuate the negatives. There are no perfect goalkeepers. There are, uh, there's loads of goalkeepers that are great with their feet that are not great shots. That was, you know, um, I do like Allison at Liverpool as much as it kills me to say it. I think he's a very, very good goalkeeper. But the hair showed his strengths. He showed what he's really, really good at. And we talked about the forward line costing United points at times. It cost United points against Newcastle. It cost United points against Chelsea. Um, uh, uh, the hair, for me, this season has probably been worth six points. He's probably saved United in a couple of games, and. I think they, the next time he made, you know, he was poor against Brentford. We all know that. Um, but I don't think it was entirely his fault. And I think that it's really important to recognise there's pros and cons to every goalkeeper. Ederson, uh, David De Gea is a much better shot stopper than Ederson. If he needed to have Ederson on goal on Saturday or Sunday, I don't think he needed to get a, I think he needed to drop points there. Right? I don't think he's as good a shot stopper. Now, that's not to say he's not a better goalkeeper. Over the course of a 38 game season, I'm just saying in that particular game that played the David Ahea strikes. Um, I think uh, I also trust Ten Hag will make him a better goalkeeper. Um, so, but I think he already has, you know, I think so too. But, but that, yeah, that's part of being behind the solid defense that he trusts, and that's what know? I'm going to get to. And he's became more of a sweeper keeper from what, what I've seen. He feels more comfortable in that. He, he's, and I think maybe this. Again, goes back to the Maguire thing. When Maguire's been playing, he instills panic around him and, and everyone's kind of at head loss of points of, of what's happening. And obviously that comes right back to the head. But when you're thinking about people like uh, Martinez in front of you, there's a calmness there. The head looks so much more comfortable than what he did before. And whether it's just the team environment altogether, I, I'm not too sure. But I mean, obviously I see someone there saying about a striker being the priority. Mm-hmm. I still think, like this whole Ronaldo thing, obviously we're going to touch on it, mm-hmm. um, with Ronaldo and Gary Neville. Like, it's embarrassing. Like I've I've been I've been the biggest Ronaldo fanboy for forever, right? On this podcast, getting absolute dogs abuse on Twitter because I always stick up for Ronaldo. But what Ronaldo's doing right now is nothing different to what a spoiled child does whenever they don't get what they want. And Ronaldo, purposely on camera, not acknowledging Gary Neville is embarrassing. It's completely embarrassing. Gary Neville is doing his job as a pundit, and he's trying to remain. He's doing something that Roy Keane didn't have the balls to do, and that's the truth. Roy Keane didn't have the balls to say anything to Ronaldo because he probably anticipated this reaction. And it's funny because Keane would never do that with anyone else, and Keane's always been his own man. But in this instance, for whatever reason, he doesn't fancy it. So, obviously, what what Ronaldo done with uh, Gary Neville is an absolute disgrace. Gary Neville should laugh about it. I know he did, but he really should just laugh about it. Like it's it's laughable, man. Well, imagine if he's doing that with Neville, what he's doing behind the scenes. Right? I know. I mean, if he's falling out with Gary Neville, you have to be able to take criticism. But and everyone Ronaldo, around him's walking on eggshells because they can't. Because he can't. Yes, but I, I think that... I, think, I wonder if that's still the case. Because at the end of the day, what really can Ronaldo do? You know, I mean... You could hold, he had legitimate reasons to make threats last season because, you know, he was a top goal scorer and um, he was probably one of the positives in a, in a horrendously negative season. But where's his capital now? 
You know, what 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 clout does he have to be able to go in and hold Ten Hag or anyone else accountable and, and, and force them to behave a certain way to appease him? I don't think he can do that anymore. I don't think Ronaldo has the capital anymore. You know, he looked... If you looked at his body language before the game on Saturday, he looked delighted to be starting. And here's the thing about Ronaldo that you see when you watch him play. He's so desperate to score, he's a problem. Because he's snatching the chances, right? He's taking shots where he shouldn't be taking them. There was a moment in the game yesterday where he had a header. And seconds after that, he had a decent chance. It fell on his left-hand side, a bit like a chance at Everton, he scaled. The Ronaldo two, three years ago buries those, both of them. And for you youngsters, you won't know this, but this will come. And your, your brain still works exactly the same, but your body just doesn't respond the same way. The reflexes change. You know, I, I, you play football as you get older, you can't get away from people the same way. Your brain still works, all the same things still happening, but you're slower and things get away from you. You know, the, the chances that, and it's really frustrating this. You, you work in boxing, Colin. Boxers notice, right? The brain works exactly the same, but it just doesn't execute the same way. And you slow down 5% at that level, that's lethal, that's going to get you killed. Right? At 5% in the Premier League, slowing down, yes, you'll still score goals. And this is the point that I'm trying to make because it doesn't get refuted when Ronaldo scores a goal. You judge him over a course of a season, not game, a game, a game. Um, this game has proved this point, this game proved this point. He's dropped off from, you know, 10% maybe. You know, now, in many other leagues, he'd be fine. But in the Premier League... You know, on a team like Manchester United, where, I mean, his chance conversion rate, is it any better than Rashford's? But I, I know what you're saying in terms of the reaction thing, right? You're writing everything you said there, apart from one point you made. When you say when you say that Ronaldo, you don't like that he snaps at these chances and all. Mm. When you take away that hunger to score a goal or that... No, it's not the hunger. Hunger's great. From, Ron from Ronaldo. It's perfectly then, understandable why he's doing it. And you lose the player completely. And I mean... Ronaldo taking each other. Ronaldo's always been that guy. I've watched him from the minute he broke on the scene at United. And but Conor was finishing those game, chances. He was always been that no, guy. I, but the I, outcomes I were different. That. I appreciate that. But, I mean, if we really looked over the course of his career, his chance conversion rate, I'd say he's probably somewhere similar of the same percentage right now than what he has been throughout his career. And, I mean, no the chances were great. I'm no I think so. I'm telling you, he's always been the guy who takes... 12, 13 shots a game, scores one, scores two, scores three sometimes. That, that's what Ronaldo's Mate, been throughout his whole career. He has. I remember. You on streams for Halloween? I'm no, I'm telling you, him scan chances all the time. And <laughs> I think, I think I, that's okay. I'm happy enough to get battered for it. I think once you take away that hunger and desire from Ronaldo, because he's always been that guy. Take a look score. at his goal scores, goal, goal ratio, mate. If he was not having a high conversion rate, he'd be getting 25 chances a game. I mean, for Holland to catch him, Holland needs to score 40 goals a season for the rest of his career. Now, mate, if you're scoring 35 goals in the top flight, right, of any league, you're, and you're getting 10, 15 chances a game, you're in a shit league. But this is the thing, Ronaldo, Ronaldo consistently was the man in every team he's played yeah. in. Came to the United, became the man. Had, had 10... 12 chances, scored a hat-trick every now and again, scored two goals here, scored a goal there. That's what he's been. Right now, he's not getting away with it because he's playing as a forward by himself when he hasn't got the legs anymore. And the people around him are also... Like, you've got Riceford, for example. You've seen that one at the weekend when Ronaldo went to hit it and Riceford came across him and, and struck it. That's the type of thing that Ronaldo's dealing with right now. Five years ago, that would never have happened. Well, uh, but that's my point, is that um, the outcomes are completely different. And so, once if you go look at all the greats, and you take a look at their last season, which usually happens before 38. I mean, I'm thinking Glenn Hoddle, Swindon and Chelsea, player manager, tracksuit, 33, 34. Imagine Ronaldo being player manager. I mean, he knew himself in the first team, team seat every week. Um, you, you, you see that decline happen. And you see it with everyone. On their last season... You know, boxing, to me use a boxing analogy, boxing retires you, right? Because you find out the hard way in the ring that you're not the same anymore. This is exactly where Ronaldo's at. 
he's at the point where it's a very difficult realization. It's very difficult to accept that you just can't do the things you can do anymore. I, mean, I agree with what the, this guy said in terms of let him keep his le- legacy, go that that type of thing. I mean, if if, if Ronaldo is going to leave United, he should leave in January. Give him the ball. Come on, I agree. He should leave yeah. in January. I agree. I'm going to check his conversion. But here's the thing, mate. Here's the thing about um, Ronaldo. And I said this on Thursday as well. What, Ronaldo, this this petulance will be forgotten, right? I mean, the way he left in 2009 wasn't exactly, uh, wasn't exactly, uh, how would you say, it was, it wasn't desirable. And it was disappointing. And, but you need a fan saying his name for the next 10 years. There's a statue outside Old Trafford to a player that walked out on United numerous times, right? Um, and we just put that down to George's problems. So Cristiano Ronaldo, what will eventually be remembered, will be the goals, the greatness, his, you know, what will be replayed for years and years and years as his key moments and big games. I mean, I still love watching United 2007, 2008, 2009 when he was at his peak. I mean, it's just he he was just so so good, uh, phenomenal. Uh, his last last two seasons at United were just ridiculous, so <clears throat> I think um, I think in some ways it's a bit sad that it's happened like this. He'll always be a United legend. Um, his personality is what he is. He's always been this way. He's been accommodated at top clubs because he delivers, and and that's always the case. Michael Jordan was tolerated. Not exactly a nice guy. Tiger Woods is not exactly a nice guy. Lots of top level athletes are not the <clears throat> nicest competitors in the world. That's why they're successful. Um, they have a narcissism about them, a selfish narcissism, and you sort of have to be that way. Um, Sorry problem... to interrupt. I Go just ahead. wanted to make a point on that conversion rate. Cristiano Ronaldo has the worst shot conversion rate in Europe's top five leagues in 2017 with one goal from 55 attempts. 2017? So, at Real Madrid, when Real Madrid was playing, but but mate, you have to take it over the course of his career. I know I'm looking for the career, but I'm just oh, saying. Oh yeah, because at the end of the day, yeah, but you have to take it over the course of his career. That's how statistics work. You know, I've got a I've got a hundred percent. Um, well, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll keep us clean. I, was just I won't say it. But anyway, the. Um, you know, you could turn around and say that uh, any you can use statistics to do anything. You have to take it over the the, the the course of his career, and the course of his career, he must have been getting thirty five chances. And the other part that partly skews that that if you look at his free kicks, which have been pretty much abysmal for about yeah. the last five years, right? But from open play, I I wouldn't uh, Cristiano Ronaldo maybe outside of Van Nistelrooy. Is the best finisher I'd seen at United, but he, if you he didn't really start becoming prolific at United until he was about twenty three, and that's when he yeah. really started hitting his prime, you know. And then he started to turn in big numbers. The first two three years, because he completely changed as a footballer when he was from seventeen to twenty three, he was, you know, a bit like Anthony, you know, skillful, beat you, you know. Problem is. He wasn't very effective. You know, I'm not saying he wasn't effective, but I'm just saying United had to cultivate and change him and cut a lot of that nonsense out, make him a much more direct player, take him off the wing. Then he moved inside. I mean, his numbers are just absolutely phenomenal. And so um, if you put Ronaldo anywhere inside that goal, I, I, I didn't want that ball falling to anyone else. So, um, but anyway, the thing is, he's not there anymore, naturally. Uh, and well, so, what about Anthony and, and that situation of the, the yeah, trip and I, per, I personally don't mind it. I don't think he's been left out because of it. I think obviously he was hooked probably because of it. But again, like I, I, I don't mind it. I think it's okay. I think these things happen. Express yourself on the pitch as a Brazilian. It's something that you've came to expect from watching all the best Brazilians. So why not? I have no problems in doing something like that. Remember when Nani did it against Arsenal? Yeah, yeah. Cup. Ronaldo did it against Arsenal where he got clattered in the corner but these were games that were out of sight and won you know Nani did it when they were I think we're 4-0 up or something or 4-1 I can't remember in the FA Cup but the game was comfortably won doing it in the last couple of minutes when you're juggling a ball fan um, who was it Jamie Carragher said 
someone was doing it. Was it Richarlison? And he and he got he got he got hammered. And Jamie Carragher said, "You can sort of understand why." That the thing is, I think in in that comment, I can't remember who it was. <clears throat> um, but uh, to me, whenever you're trying to win a game of football, and you're in that point of the game where it's not a circus. Because I think Casemiro was wide open when he had that ball or Rashford, I can't remember. It can be a bit annoying. And it's like, I'm off football as entertainment. So some of this is exciting and I love it to a degree. But he has to be careful not to be labelled a one-trick pony with that we spin. You know, because it's one thing if you're doing it off a cuff like Nani where you're juggling the ball and all that there. But... I don't know, I felt it was a bit unnecessary. You know, he hadn't you you were saying, you know, he scored in his first three games, hadn't scored since should have scored against Everton. Maybe you want to focus on being effective rather than being in just entertainment. And so it's not a hanging offence. I don't I, it didn't bother me. Um but if Ten Hag left him out because of it, um I would completely support that too, because I think Ten Hag is making sure the club and the players bend to his will, not the other way around. And I think that um, he's been entirely consistent in that with everyone. So, you know, to me, uh, I don't think that he was left out because of that. I'd be surprised. But uh, you know what? It, 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 I, I don't think he'll do it again. No, I don't think he'll do it again. Do you want to get on to some of the Twitter questions here? There's, there's a few now. Obviously, some of them, I don't think we're going to get into the whole... Uh debate on if we're going to sell, if we're not going to sell, because there's no real... Yeah, we've done that today. Honestly, let's go back and listen to the podcast. So anyone asking those questions, let's Mm -hmm. go back and just listen, because there's no point in us going through it all again. Yeah, we'll cover it on Thursday too. Yeah, we did. Um, So there's one from Darren Hawkins that says, any truth in the Michael Edwards rumours to United? We touched briefly on that Mm -hmm. on on Thursday. Nothing... That, that I can see that it, that it's going to happen. Obviously, it would be interesting enough because he has that Liverpool background and he, he's got a background of, of that type of thing, but I, I can't see him coming to United. I don't think under this regime, it suits, in my opinion. Well, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, United have John Murda in that position. Um, United are happy with John Murda in that position. Um, you know, I asked about Van der Sar and the answer was no, not happening. Um we haven't made any approach for him and um you know i think uh i spoke to people at united about it and they're happy with john murder so um john murder's doing a good job it doesn't mean that things can't change it doesn't mean they're constantly looking at other people that they can bring in and refine the process maybe change john murder's role if possible um i don't know but i i right now they're happy with with recruitment and i think this has probably been their best summer recruitment ways since Ferguson, if many in many ways, so I don't see anything changing that. As for the Sesco thing, because uh, um, comment yeah. or go, uh, oh, just yeah, get yeah. that quickly. Um, yeah. So what that will tell you is that there's a number of football clubs interested in Sesco that it's not nailed on that he's going to go to Leipzig this summer. That he's still very gettable, despite the fact that he has a deal to go to Leipzig. Um, and United are one of the football clubs still interested in him. Um, there's another one here from Azim Iqbal, relation to Zidane Iqbal. If Ronaldo leaves in January, will that money be used to reinvest into the squad and sign a striker? Mm-hmm. More than likely, look for a loan deal. I don't. I don't think we'll will they get a loan deal for any striker. I don't think it makes sense. I don't think in the current mm-hmm. climate that's something that we should be looking at if you're going to be going for for titles and if you, if your aspirations are as big as what Ten Hag says, we shouldn't really be looking at loan strikers. I think. Absolutely, if Ronaldo leaves in January, we should reinvest. But whether that happens or not, all depends on if the Glazers are going, staying, what the story is, I think. I think one of the things that shouldn't be overlooked is, you know, and this was mentioned a week or two ago, I think you can see United looking at the South American market in January. And I think Ten Hag likes players from that part of the world. I think especially when you see the success of Casemiro and you see the success of Anthony and you see the success of of Martinez, you know, three of his signings this summer were South American. So it wouldn't surprise me to see United look in that market. Flamengo have just won the Copa Libertadores, maybe someone like a Gabriel Barbosa or someone like that. It would not surprise me to see United look in the South American market for players this summer or in January. 
if Ronaldo goes, you know, we'll, we'll have to get a striker. I don't think, you know, we talked about this, Martial's fitness, whether his body's capable of playing 38 games a season, it doesn't look like it is. Um, the one, you, you can't get caught short up front. So I could definitely see United do something in January. Budgetarily-wise, it would have to be brought forward from the summer. So if they sign a striker in January that's available, then they won't obviously do one that following summer. You need to dodge the bullet with Darwin Nunez. Um, I, th- I don't know about the dodge the bullet with Darwin Nunez. I still think there's a player there. I think I, he would I'll tell you why I think they dodged the bullet there on him. When I look at why Darwin Nunez isn't succeeding, I don't know if those are fixable. So if a young player comes in, it's mantle. That's fixable. If a young player comes in, he's playing well and just he's hitting the post, things are going over the bar, things are just not breaking for him. You can see, okay, eventually this kid's going to get it right. When I look at Darwin Nunez's technical ability, that's not easily fixable. I also look at the fact that mentally, he insulated himself from the criticism that he got in his first season at Benfica. It'll be off the charts at Liverpool. Now, he's at a football club where most of the fans, to be fair, support their players to a point. But Liverpool are sitting mid-table and they're not scoring enough goals. He was an 80, 90 million pound striker. If he was at Manchester United, and never were in that position, he would be getting slaughtered for that. Absolutely slaughtered. Look at the chances he missed again at the weekend against Leeds. You buy a £90 million striker to win you games like that. Right now, Darwin Nunez is costing Liverpool. And I'm looking at that and going, that's a Liverpool team that's short on confidence. The atmosphere inside the football club will be deteriorating by the day. It'll be similar to what was going on at United. It'll start to get toxic. They'll start to point fingers. They'll start to blame. They'll start to do all these things. And a young kid like that needs to come into a settled team that protects him. But he's not going to get protected. And I think Klopp deserves criticism over it. I look at Darwin Nunez and I'm going, the reasons why he's failing aren't easily fixable, in my opinion. I, I still, it's not a Liverpool podcast, but I still think if there's a player in there, I think he needs to be given time to adapt. And I think that he will come good for Maybe. Liverpool, but could, could be wrong. Um Question from Wazzy United, I think he's in here as well. He's asked, is there any chance of us signing Gakpo in January? Mm. And will it be the end of us signing an out-and-out number nine? Um, I don't think they were signing Gakpo because they think they want a central striker. I think they feel outweighed. They're they're comfortable enough with that having to do something in January. I think if they hadn't got Anthony, they don't probably pursue someone like Cody Gakpo, who, to be fair, looks fantastic. And last time, Hag looks at him and thinks he can play central. Uh, I think... United will be looking at, obviously, depending upon what, what happens with Ronaldo. I think Ronaldo will go in January. I think he has to go. Um, f- I think they'll. I don't think he'll definitely go in January. You think Ronaldo definitely leaves in January? I mean, I'm trying to think mm. in my head where he can go. He's never going to go to the MLS for obvious reasons. I don't think he. Uh, there's many clubs in Europe that will want them. I know Napoli have been touted yeah. as one of the ones that will. Will they be able to afford him? Do they need him? Probably not. Does he upset things? Or probably. I could see him stay until the end of the season, then maybe going back to sporting at the end of the year. I think that that's probably how it goes, that situation. Yeah, it is a possibility. Um, and you're right, it's not nailed on because of that very reason. There aren't a lot of takers out there. Um, and, and will Ronaldo's ego allow him to play for someone you know that's not a top team? I don't know. Um, so it, it's a fair point. Um, I think United would be happy for him to leave in January. I think Ten Hag would be happy for him to leave in January. But I also feel that Ronaldo's in the best possible situation that he could expect for a player that of his level right now. I don't think he's going to get anything better than what he's getting. If he goes to another football club that's a top, top team, he's going to be faced with exactly the same situation that he's faced with right now. That the reality is you are not top level anymore. You have to sit in the bench. So to me, even if he was to go to Chelsea, I don't see him starting every week. Um, so I, I think... Uh, what he first of all has to accept is that's his reality and if he accepts that's his reality then he should stay where he is but i, I don't know it's a it's a fair point i don't know glazers leave now i've asked how high can we finish i actually think mm. and i'll probably get slaughtered for this but i think how the league's gonna pan out <clears> and you can ask me the lottery numbers after if you want is <laughs> i think i think arsenal are gonna blow up after the world cup i think they'll hit mm-hmm. a terrible spot because their strength in depth isn't great. I just I think after the World Cup they'll hit a, a stumbling block. I think we'll finish second, but I don't think it's going to be City running away with it. I think it'll be maybe 
three to four points, three to six points, let's say, we'll finish second. Then I think, I think Arsenal will come in third. I think Liverpool would be lucky to finish fourth. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, I don't know. My answer on this changes every week. Newcastle are a very, very good team. And I watched them again at the weekend, murder Villa, and of course you need to get Villa as soon as uh, Unai Emery takes over. Um, new, new manager bounce, certain. Although I think he will beat Villa. Um, I think that Newcastle team's a very, very good team. I think uh, Chelsea... I think Graham Potter's an exceptional coach. I really do. Uh, I don't know if he's if he'll get Chelsea top four this season. It's going to be a really tight tight fight. Um, Arsenal, you know, one of the things with Arsenal they don't have great squad depth, and so once players start to get injured, once players there's there's this big drop off between their first eleven and the rest of the squad. Is it sustainable throughout the course of the season? They're talking about giving Arteta fifty million in January, but what do you get? You get one player for that. You know, is that still enough? Um, or you can buy a smart and young players, you know, 10, 12 million, but are they ready to come in and, and, and keep consistency in the Premier League? I don't think so. I think they'll drop off. I mean, you have to give Arteta credit. He's done a fantastic job this season. And uh, they're winning games they wouldn't have won last season. They're playing well. They're, they're playing with confidence. Um, but uh, I still don't trust them yet. Uh, you know, he... You wonder, are they still capable of being bullied? You know, I felt that United were physically too strong for them when they played at Old Trafford. Um, so I think, why not second? I think second is, I think anything from second to fourth is entirely achievable. Um, and I, I, one of the things that I really like about what I'm seeing about United is, we talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast, about them being reactive. I mean, they'd go a goal down, they'd have to come back. You know, two goals down, have to come back. I mean, I remember West Ham being 2-0 down, half-time coming back and winning. Now, they're winning games, not playing well, for reasons that give me confidence because of the things that they're not playing off the cuff. They're not winning games in a moment of magic. They're not winning games because of a mistake. They won against West Ham because they played as a team. They got a draw against Chelsea because they played as a team in a game they should have won. They should have beat Newcastle because they're playing as a team. That's much harder. And to me, when you have those things right, the probability that you're going to shit the bed for half a season is, is far less, far fewer, because I think the these things allow you to win games when you don't play well, allow you to win games whenever two or three players don't have a good game. These are things that are that, that are really, really important. These are solid foundations. So for me, I think what I'm seeing about this United team is they attack as a team, they defend as a team. Um, they're getting harder and harder to beat. They don't they don't surrender in games. And you know, you, Chelsea being a perfect example. And I think um, they're starting to trust themselves. So to me, why not second? Yeah, I think. I think City won the league, be, but why not? Yeah. Well, we always obviously strive to win the league, but I think it's um, important to be realistic at this stage of the season as well. Like, yeah. So no, I, I think uh, there's so many things to be encouraged about. Um, you know, last season they had one in the game surrender, and that was unforgivable to me. They've already played eleven of the top thirteen. So they're due a run of games against teams they should beat. Now United have consistently had problems against those teams. I don't, and I think when you're playing against teams in the bottom five and you're throwing points away and lose, that's attitude. That's all it is. Right? That's that's because you're being outfought. That's because when a better when you lose to a weaker team, it's because of the intangibles. It's because of the team effort. Team. It's because of the attitudes. Because of all those things. Because if you match them, your ability will win. So we'll see you through. I don't think United will lose those games anymore because I don't think no. those things are present. I think United will, will, will beat the weaker teams as they should. No, so, definitely. I think uh, I think we'll leave it there on the Twitter questions because most of them, as I say, are, are all about the Glazers' takeover. There's no new news from Phil on that. And I think we've, we've beat it out to death now. Right? We've spoke about it. This is the last podcast. I'm going to do at 45 years of age. I, I turned 44 <laughs> on Wednesday. Are, are you 54 on Wednesday? No way, someone no. said to me on Saturday. Someone said to me on Saturday, "What do you do?" And I said, "I'm turning 46." Fuck you, don't love it. No, thanks, mate. I'm about 66. But... Are you actually turning 46? 
I yes. No excuses for that. You know, Amazon overnight delivery. Amazing. Make it happen. I, I, you know? I know your address too. I'll get that in there. Preach yeah. it. Well, happy birthday to Phil and Ron. Yeah, that's fine. Spam his Twitter. Well, happy birthdays on Wednesday and uh, all those crazy shouts about Casemiro being a Send nudes. A oh, don't, don't be doing that. <laughs> Phil. Mate, legend, enjoy your, enjoy your day. Happy Excellent. Halloween, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. As always, thanks for all the downloads. And, uh, much appreciated. Take it easy, mate. Speak soon, mate. Cheers, folks. <clears throat>